Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And we are so excited to have you guys. It's episode 14. We have done more than 14 episodes. I think so. Well, yeah, because we do our Rethinking Humanity interviews and, you know, different other ones. But uh, but this is officially episode number 14. Um, and we're coming up on a year of doing the podcast in April, which is crazy and exciting. And we have some exciting things uh, on our one year anniversary. Teasing that now, not telling you any details, but uh, <laughs> exciting things on that. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, Sonia, we are... Uh, we are, it's January 15th. How mm-hmm. are you? What's going on? Uh, I'm okay. There's so much happening, right, in the world and things. So I know we kind of touched on this before. Um, we've just, we're in a new year, but then we also are seeing tumultuous uh, changes in our in our system, you know, of government. And mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be interesting. And it's amazing that we're, you know, here to talk about rethinking humanity because i think right now we're living rethinking humanity that's so true Um, you know and uh so yeah it's going to be interesting i on a personal note um had a loss in an extended family member Mm. and i'll tell you i I bring that up today because i was actually talking to our technical guy victor before you Mm. came on Lacey, Mm. how we really have to appreciate um you know the moment that we have right Mm. now just, you know, to our listeners, like just affecting walk outside, breathe the fresh air, or mm. I know we talk a lot about connecting with friends, social distancing, having a cup of coffee, just simple things in life. I think um, we have to show gratitude because, you know, you don't know what's around the corner. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to throw that out there. That's awesome. That's a great reminder, Sonia. I, I actually was telling you guys before. <laughs> Uh, I'm feeling frazzled today. I know. We want to know. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to share it. But it actually helps me to just reset my mind and go, hey, Lacey, everything's okay. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And you know what? There's so much to be thankful for, even in the middle of working through different things and trying to make things happen and, you know, accomplish everything we we all, I'm sure, mm-hmm. will accomplish. Um, so I will say thank you for that. Cause I needed to hear that. And I'm sorry for your loss. That's, it's always a hard thing to lose somebody. And, um, there's a really good book that I've, I may have told you about it. I think I've said it on the podcast before, but it's called how to survive the loss of a love. Oh yeah. It's, it's about loss in general. And it wow. talks about how your body responds, right? How you, uh, how to have compassion on yourself, how to, give yourself space and time before making big decisions. I mean, it's, it's awesome book. It's like a little handbook. It's just got points on each page on through loss. And so uh, for anyone out there who's listening, who's struggling with loss, I know there's a lot of people right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I suggest the book. It's fabulous. Um, And, and Sonia, I'm so sorry. It's, it's not an easy thing. It's not. Yeah, thank you. And and you're right. I'm going to definitely look at the book. And I think the reality, I mean, like what you're saying is everybody's going to have loss. We're all even experiencing loss through, you know, what we're dealing with now. And, and, you know, it's part of life. So I'm going to definitely uh, check the book out because, you know, I love to read. So 
Oh yeah, that will help. Yeah, it's the best. Well, I'll share a little bit of why I'm feeling frazzled. Frazzled, yes. Hello, listeners. Have you ever felt frazzled? Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, so you can relate to me. Uh, so I um found out recently that uh, in, in order to get into Guatemala, you don't have to quarantine anymore for seven days. Um, that just changed in December. I found that out recently. I have been wanting to go back down to Guatemala to visit right. since cool. the end of the campaign, Andrew Yang's campaign that I worked on, his presidential campaign. And when I found this out, I was like, oh my gosh, it's this timing is good, not from the COVID perspective, but for my own personal perspective for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, I have, I feel like I have exhausted every <laughs> single uh, avenue to try to be able to renew my passport um, in time for the trip, which is before the end of the month. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, you know, I went online to try to, to book an appointment that was booked up. I tried going online on the time that they were supposed to renew, like re uh, open up new appointments for the yeah. next travel day. That didn't work. I've wow. been on the phone. I emailed the U S embassy in Guatemala. I emailed the department of state. Oh my gosh. Friends. I also talked to well, one of my friends told me that they're, and this is cool for our listeners, guys, this is so, so cool. <laughs> Check this out because this is something that can help you in the future. So one of my friends told me, she said, Lacey, there is this thing called uh, a constituent okay. advocate that works in the senator's office, in your senator's office. And she said, you can ask them to help you with different matters right. that, that are, you know, regarding the state or whatever. And I was like, what? I had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> so, of course, I reached out and. Unfortunately, the our senators are not answering phones right now, I guess because of the runoff or what have you. And so I reached out to her senator in North Carolina and she gave me an, uh, a representative's um, information uh, who's down in Savannah, represents the Savannah area. Long story short, I was able to mail my application out today overnight and it'll get there on Tuesday and hopefully, 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 fingers crossed, oh, so maybe, I'll be able to get it. Yeah. It's a maybe, it's, but it's the brightest it's looked in days now because I booked my awesome. travel before I booked my appointment because online it says you have to have travel booked before you, right, before you can. Yeah. Woo. Just for a brief thing for our listeners, I don't know that everybody knew that you lived in Guatemala and your experience there. Can you share that a little bit? Sure, sure. Yeah. So part of the reason I want to go visit is because I lived there. I know people there. I have friends and some friends who feel like family down there. Um, and so, yeah, I lived there uh, for a year, taught in English, taught in an English immersion school, excuse me, um, down there and grew my Spanish and fell in love with that place. I mean, there's so many gringos that go to Guatemala <laughs> and don't ever leave. And I get it because I don't. Really? So it's that good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that good. So well, that's awesome, Lacey. And I um, hope you get that passport. Either way, you will eventually get it. True. So, true, um, true. Yes. It's, uh, but wow, what a process. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off and it's not something I like to do, but um, but I'm very thankful for every step and being able to get to this point. And hopefully, you know, you guys, please keep your fingers crossed for me. Um, 
And, and you know what? You know what'll happen? You'll get to see a cool backdrop. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I, I, I think I love travel, as you guys all know. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, so that's been my frazzled. You know what's kind of helped me, though, to chill out a little bit in yeah, the last couple days? It's this thing that I found online, Sonia. I think I told you about it. It's this uh, thing called the Quiet Punch. And oh, yeah. Tell us. Yeah. So this thing is like an in-home boxing thing. Mm-hmm. I used to do kickboxing, but I don't feel comfortable going to the gym. Some of you may be able to relate to me on this. So going to the gym right now is out of the question. So I was like, I the thing that I really want to do is just to be able to punch and kick and box, you know, and it's so good for you. It's healthy and it burns a lot of calories. And so anyways, I found this thing on Instagram and it's so easy to set up. It's very lightweight um, and it's an incredible workout. It's an easy way for you to get a fun workout in, even if you don't know that much about boxing. I don't know a whole lot about boxing. I just know I like to punch shit sometimes. <laughs> so. So have you ever done that? Have you ever boxed before? No, but I think I saw you post something. So I, for everybody, I'm different than Lacey. I actually go to a gym. I do Orange Theory. I haven't been um, lately. I'm doing walking because I put it on hold for the holidays. And it's pretty intense workout, by the way. But anyway, Mm -hmm. back to your thing. I saw the... um, the punching bag, right? And it looks yeah. so cool because it was just go, 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 go. And I thought, wow, that yeah. would be give you strength, uh, burn energy, uh, get you motivated. I mean, you tell yeah. me because I haven't tried it. Yeah, well, you might have to try it, girl. I know. What you think. But yeah, it's great. It burns calories. And what's cool is um, they have become a partner with us. And uh, if you are interested in purchasing one of these, you can go on their website quietpunch.com and you can order one and you can put in the code rethinking humanity and you can get 10% off. So isn't that cool? This is, Hey, this is a means of celebration. So this is our first like sponsorship kind of cool deal. You know what I mean? Yay! So, uh, so thank you to quiet punch for working with us. And um, again, the code is rethinking humanity, 10% off. Check it out if you are at home and or if you just like boxing or if you just don't want to go to the gym and you're willing to try something new. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. So, I have a question. If you've yeah. never boxed, can you do it? Is it Hell yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I don't again, I don't know all the, the proper form. And I mm-hmm. put that in my little Instagram post. Um, but that's OK, because there are videos and stuff on on their little app that goes with it. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, oh. teaches, he can teach you that way. Oh, cool. So, awesome. Yeah, wow. that's cool. So yay for that. Uh, wow. All right, we got through a lot. Sonia, <laughs> are you ready to dive in? Let's our- dive in to Eric Fromm. <laughs> yes. yes, I'm excited. This is chapter nine. Uh, this is the last chapter of the book. Um, the chapter is Features of the New Society. It, it, this is a fascinating chapter, isn't it, Sonia? Yeah. It is. It's a lot. It's amazing. There's a lot here. Um, There's a lot in this chapter that um, Fromm is presenting as some possible ways that we shift to the being mode of existence as a society. And um, so we're Mm -hmm. probably going to break this up a little bit. Um, And today we're going to talk a little bit about how difficult this is and the importance of understanding Mm -hmm difficult this change would be. We're also going to talk about 
um, the difficulties that the new that the construction of the new society he called it would mm-hmm. have to solve. And then we're also going to talk about a thing that he calls in here um, sane consumption, which is quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even talks about cool ways that we can advocate for sane consumption. Um, to get us to a place where we can live in that way, as opposed to insane consumption, which is buying shit all the time, which is kind of what we're doing now. Wouldn't you say, Sonia? Yes, yes, for sure. Um, Yeah, this chapter is interesting. I mean, as you and I spoke, you could definitely break it up into multiple uh, episodes, and I know we're going to do more than one. Um, I really like the fact that he talks about uh, we need a humanistic science of man. Um, I love the way he frames that. And then it's interesting because he starts this chapter by asking, why strive for the impossible? So already he sets us up that this is going to be challenging. There's a lot of things that have to happen, you know, which is not to say to not do it, but because that's what we're talking about here, right? Right. But I think the... uh the acknowledgement of how difficult it is, is important because for for a couple of reasons, at least one I I would want to share is that, you know, um, I think the first thing someone says or thinks maybe when you say, how can we change our society to be in a way that is more accommodating to us as human beings? The first thing they think is, that's way too hard. (laughs) Not going to happen. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. No, I can see that because he points out right away um, in the beginning some of the challenges. And I thought, you know, it's it's appropriate with the way that we're living today. He talks about uh, giving up unlimited growth, giving up the free market economy to a certain degree, um, furthering scientific progress, though, while preventing progress from becoming a danger to the human race. Right. Which we kind of talked about here, too. And all these things are happening right now, which is really interesting creating conditions where people feel joy in their work, having basic security. And I love this. Mm-hmm. Restore possibilities for individual initiative and living yes. rather than business. Yes. So I think that kind of speaks to what we're doing with the Rethinking Humanity. You know, we're, we're talking about living and not the right. status quo. So um, he, he already throws out there what, you know, what we're going to have, what we're dealing with, which is what we have today. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think what's important before we can even address all those things is everyone saying, yeah, this is kind of crazy, crazy difficult. Right. But because it's crazy difficult doesn't mean it's impossible. Um, It just means we have to accept what how difficult is going to be before we can move forward because it's going to change the amount of effort. It's going to help us to know the amount of effort that we might need to put into it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I do. I mean, this is why I think he talks about also that when I said we need a humanistic science of man, he's talking about a humanist body of experts, which, which I really like because we're not talking about just, Hey, we decide we're going to make these changes and you know, we're not going to analyze what we're doing. Like you're actually, having people uh, look at, you know, the problems and, and breaking that down. And so, so therefore you've got, you do have the experts a lot. Well, we're going to get into it. It's also the individual as ourselves, like a consumer, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I see. We'll get into that. You know, I like the way he puts it before he gets into those specific 
um, things. He says, this sobriety, oh, sorry, but those who have not given up hope can succeed only if they are hard-headed realists, shed all illusions, and fully appreciate the difficulties, uh, as in like the difficulties of doing this. This sobriety marks the distinction between awake and dreaming utopians. I think that's an important point because if we don't, um, if we can't uh, understand that there is a utopia that we can we can have, and that's a controversial statement, but work towards anyway. Um, mm-hmm. If we if we can't understand that that that's possible, but it's going to be very very challenging, it's we're way less likely to do it to even put any effort forth. For sure, I, I also like the statement. Um, where he says the goal is not control over nature, but control over technique and mm-hmm. over rational social forces and institutions that threaten the survival of Western society, if not of the human race. So it's obviously we can't contr- we can't have control over nature, but control over technique is an interesting way to, to look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. He talks also a little bit about decentralization, a high having a high degree of decentralization. Um, you know, uh, giving up the goal of unlimited growth for selective growth. I think that's a very good point um, without running the risk of economic disaster. Um, I wonder what your thoughts are on on that point, Sonia, the giving up the goal of unlimited growth for selective growth. I think my thoughts are that's very hard because we live in an economy that the idea is to keep growing and growing. If and one, that's one of the things he addresses is like the organizations, like the organizations sort of have unchecked growth, mm-hmm. um, or cor- you know, corporations, so to speak. So it's all about you know continuing that wealth, right? And that's something that you're to change that mindset. It's you're also going to have to change, which we're going to get into changing the consumer, right? And so how do you change the consumer mindset? Because the consumer is the one that's allowing the corporation to keep growing. Right. I.e. Amazon. (laughs) I mean, we can use a lot of examples, right? So easy to do Amazon. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, it would have to create work conditions and a general spirit in which not material gain, but other psychic, psychic, sorry, satisfactions. I told you I was (laughs) frazzled today. Other psychic satisfactions are effective motivation. I love this. Some people don't like the word psychic, probably they're turned off by it. But basically what he's saying is that there's something other than finances that motivate us um, to do what we're doing. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, this is why it's so perfect to discuss this now, right? Because um, I think you and I read and we might have addressed this article on here, the article where um, I told you about it, where these individuals that were constantly being productive. All yeah. of a sudden they couldn't work, right? Because of yeah. COVID. and then they're saying, Well, what am I doing? I'm not producing and I'm not, you know, doing what I was doing. So it's almost you have to be forced for some individuals, uh, if you're not doing that self-awareness, you have to be forced into starting to think outside the box, like what does my life look like? Right. If I'm not in this production mode. Right. And that ties to the last bullet point that he has here. It must re- the society, he says, must restore possibilities for individual initiative and living. You mentioned it Mm -hmm. earlier rather than in business. And I think that is interesting to me too, because it links to the conversation of what will we do when Mm -hmm. we have a basic income or what would we do if we had a basic income? 
and we didn't have to work at a job for our income, what would we do? And that scares some people. Sure. Uh, but but actually, for me, it's very exciting. <laughs> it's like, hey, then I get to self-actualize. I get to you know have time to really explore who I am and, and what the world is. Um, and so I think those two things there go hand in hand. Right. I mean, it's it's the opportunity to find meaning in your day to day life. And and that can only happen, which I think he lists on those bullet points, is if you're if you're provided for, if you have that stability that we talked about that, you know, it's you have to be in that position to even start to to do any of the uh, self actualization that you're talking about. Um, And I think it's interesting because it's how do you get people to want to. Uh, do something different is a question that he kind of asks, how do we get there? Mm -hmm. You know, because there's a way of life that we've been living for a long time, which I think is interesting because he even talks about it's, it's really radical kind of change in Mm -hmm. in the way we've sort of our minds have been of, of consumption and the way we just do things, the way we get up every single day. It's a completely, it's turning it completely on its head. Right. Which is scary for for a lot of people. But he does make the point that um, basically when technology was in a in its babyest form, we we Mm -hmm. would call it that uh, that was a dream. Right. To make technical and technological advancements a reality. And that was something that they didn't know for sure whether they were going to be able to do. But they did because they put their best minds, the brightest minds on that mm-hmm. topic, working towards that. And he's, he argues at the, you know, that's what we need to do in order to shift our society, the values right. of society into that place. Right. Um, I think that I, I want to read this because he, he, he's referring to that in this paragraph. He says, technical utopias flying, for example, have been achieved by the new science of nature. The human utopia of the messianic time, a united new humankind living in solid living in solidarity and peace free from economic determination and from war and class struggle can be achieved provided we spend the same energy intelligence and enthusiasm on the realization of the human utopia as we have spent on the realization of our technical utopias so he's saying we did it with technology mm-hmm. but it's because we put the best minds towards it can we do it with with our society, yes, we can. It's going to be challenging, yes, but technology was challenging. Now let's put that energy towards our society and, and the way that we do things. Which is which is obviously really radical. The next uh, sentence after that is, one cannot construct submarines by reading Jules Verne. One cannot construct a human society by reading the prophets. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah. Um, because there you're talking about action that we actually have to take action. And again, like you're saying, the best minds are mobilized to devote themselves to this human humanistic science of man. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it's, it's really radical in that instead of looking at, okay, how am I going to make my company grow? How am I going to, how am I going to grow? Mm-hmm. So these are, I think this is, um, it's definitely a process. And I think from realizes that, and that's why it's, this isn't yeah. easy. Why he talks about it in the beginning of sort of the challenge, the impossibility of it. But it's what I, I think it's what we have to work towards from an existential perspective, or we won't be around anymore, like our species. That's my opinion. 
I, I, I actually agree with that. And I was actually thinking of that point the other day in the context to some of the craziness that we're seeing going on in the world, current events lately, right? I mm-hmm. mean, just the events that happened at the Capitol last week or on the, on the first early in January, the pandemic. And I was thinking, wow, like this is uh, kind of sort of where we're headed if we don't make some changes and, you know, more, more is on the way if we can't make those changes. Yeah. More is on the way because um, we, as a culture, we're, we're kind of, we're definitely at a point of crisis. And I think what we've seen is that, you know, sort of ignoring the the denial and ignoring the problem has not helped us. Mm. As Fung would say, because we're, we're faced, we're now, we're now at that moment that we have to make radical changes. Right. (laughs) And it's interesting because, some of these changes are being forced on us, right? Right. We didn't expect we're going to walk around and be wearing a mask all the time or not mm-hmm. able to. I mean, if you had told us today how this world would be, we would say, well, that's crazy. You know, that's like dystopian or something. It's just, it wouldn't, we wouldn't register it. But so some of these changes are being forced upon us. Yes. And others, we have to have the will and the courage and as you're saying, the the wisdom with the experts to to make the necessary changes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think the courage, the wisdom, all that um, is available to us. Uh, we just need to have, uh, you know, we need to to take the courage to, to do it and also find people who are willing to take the courage and lead us in that direction. Um, and, and, you know, from goes on to say. Um, if the economic and political spheres of society are to be subordinated to human development, which is what we're saying, we want humanity. We want mm-hmm. human to be mm-hmm. a sector instead of, you know, capitalism or business or money. Um, the model of the new society must be determined by the requirements of the unalienated being oriented individual. Um, so that all, that means that people don't live in poverty but they're also not forced to be a consumer man by mm-hmm. the way the society is structured. And he says, if we're ever going to get there, we must put an end to the present situation where a healthy economy is possible only at <laughs> the price of unhealthy human beings. I love that. I know. And I think that obviously you kind of tease that in the beginning that we're talking right now, this goal is towards sane consumption. Yes. When you hear those words, uh, Lacey, how, what do you think of sane consumption? Yourself? First, when I hear that, I honestly, I'm like, it seems a little foreign to me. Like what, mm-hmm. what does that mean? You know, but I guess that makes sense because we don't really live like that in right now. Um, I think the other thing I think about is um, changing the pace of things change mm-hmm. the pace of how we buy and how fast things go. Yeah. What definitely. about you? What about yeah, you? I mean, I like the term. I mean, somebody uh, pushback, somebody would say, well, is that each person could have a differing um, definition of what same right. consumption is, right? right? So what I like that from talks about is, which I mentioned earlier, is people wanting to do that. But I also think they need to be offered another alternative, right? Because yes. we have this one way that we've, as I stated before, that we've been living. So I'm trying to be a little empathetic. I'm totally for saying consumption, by the way, and I'm more of a minimalist. But I can see that I've also followed in the pattern of everybody else, like the herd. 
-hmm. And so there has to be another way or other ways mm. of living to be offered. Otherwise, you're just on that same, you're on that same train going yeah. nowhere. You know? Yeah. And, and I've even noticed about myself. I don't know if you, you guys have, but I have noticed about myself. Sometimes when I feel down or depressed, I mm -hmm. want to go buy something as if that's going to make me feel better. <laughs> I mean, right. seriously, but though I, but I've done it. I know it. I'm a minimalist whatever, but it's so much a part of our culture. It's part know? of our culture. It's interesting you say that because we kind of replace it. So say you don't go on a shopping spree to the store, but then you go buy something else like that you think is going to fill that need. It could be a smaller item. So you could say, well, I'm not going and redoing my wardrobe, but it's still the yeah. idea of consuming, right? And not being in that moment of being okay with how you're feeling or, you know, yeah. whatever those emotions are, you know, if you're sad, if you're angry. Right. And he, he actually talked about that specific thing in here. He said, he talked about how that is a distraction from ourself. He, he, he says people would see that most consumption engendered passivity, mm -hmm. that the need for speed and newness, which can only be satisfied by consumerism reflects restlessness. It mm -hmm. means, the person is restless. It reflects the inner flight from oneself um, that they would become aware that looking for the next thing to do or the newest gadget to use is only a means of protecting oneself from being close to oneself or another person. Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah. I, I read that. I have that super highlighted. I mean, first of all, think about this. We're in, with the internet now. So speed and newness, definitely. The restlessness, I think we can all relate to. Mm. And then we have so many, you know, we have so many distractions, so many. Even if you say, well, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z, there's plenty more to distract right. you. Right. And it's just like, whoa, um, it, we're really reaching like a saturation point where we need another way of life. And the sad part about that, I think, is it's so human to feel. It's so human to connect. It's so human to know ourselves. Right. And we aren't doing that because we are consuming. We are, um, you know, buried in our phones or whatever it is. And, you know, we're not allowing ourselves to be human in that way. And that is going to be damaging to us individually. It is. And it's going to be more and more over time. I mean, think about it. The one thing that we all want, Sonia, Mm -hmm. love. We just want love. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember I was at the, uh, at the, at the coffee shop and, um, I saw a cute dog and I was like, Oh, he's so sweet. He just wants to be loved. And the person was like, just like everybody else. I'm like, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and that's why people love animals because they give that unconditional love. Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. And I think that the interesting thing with this consumption and being distracted is we, we kind of are not even like aware. We're sort of, it goes back to sort of that Ottoman thing. We're not aware like the days pass or the seasons pass. And then it's, it's almost like you're in a fog and you have to wake up from that to even know that life is going by because we're so to the next, you know, bring our attention here, bring our attention there. We're either looking for it or we're distracted. So it makes it really hard to live in that being mode, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I mean, what he says, it's just very, very uh, profound. But he, like I said before, he, it's also based on the assumption 
Well, he says that consumers want what is good for them, which, you know, he objects to that because he gives examples. Um, obviously, this is a example in the past of cigarettes when those were marketed. So yeah. we, I don't think we as humans always know what is mm. good for us. And right. That's where yes. There's got to be some change. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. And that then comes the question of, well, who decides? Mm -hmm. And it's not the state, right? Nobody wants it to be the state. And that's, and he, he agrees with that. And so what he says, what is, is that same consumption can only take place in, if an ever increasing number of people want, like you were saying mm -hmm. before, to change their consumption patterns and their lifestyles. And this is possible only if people are offered a type of consumption that is more attractive. It's got to be something that they want to do. It's mm -hmm. got to be more attractive to them than the one they're used to. And so he says that's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen because somebody says, we're going to do sane consumption now. Right. Gonna, it's going to be a slow educational process. And he says that the function of the state is to help establish norms for healthy consumption. I wonder what you think about this, Sonia, um, because this is a big point he makes in this chapter that the state can do campaigns to mm -hmm. help us understand and present uh, healthy or, or sorry, sane consumption as attractive. What do you think about that? I think um, I think we're going to delve further into that, but I think then we have to define who the state is. Is it, you know, the represent representing the people? Is it the body of experts? Is it a combination of both? Because obviously you would have people push back. But I thought of an example. It's not exactly consumption, but I think it's a good example of people wanting something different. So yeah. with COVID, you know, a lot of people um, were forced to work remotely yeah. uh, from home. And what's sort of evolved from that is that people, A, say, oh, this is a little better because I can hang out with my kids or I can have lunch or whatever, take a walk. Now, I'm not saying everybody loves working from home. And I think probably ideally, maybe it's half, you know, sometime you're out and sometime you're in. But yeah. what I'm saying, because that's been normalized and people have had that experience, they're going to now ask for that. Yes. And that's the sort of things that have to happen here where everyone's like, whoa, there's a different way that I can do this. There's yeah. a different way that I can consume. There's a different way that I can live. Yeah. And when that is attractive to the person for various reasons, then you're going to see society, then, then it's going to shift. You know, it's going to be uh, more, it's going to be possible is where I'm going with that. Right. And he talks about how the U.S. Uh, FDA does uh, something similar as what he's suggesting, determine mm -hmm. which foods are and drugs are harmful. And so he's saying in his suggestion, and Sonia, you were alluding to this just a minute ago, is that there would be um, a, a panel mm -hmm. um, of, you know, a panel of psychologists, anthropologists, sociologists, philosophers, theologians, representatives of various social and consumer groups that help give insight into what does this norm for healthy consumption look mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. No, I think you, I think you would definitely need that. Um, I also think like, I, I mean, I don't know, I'm sure from, he was looking at how things were that in, in that air. I also think right now people, there's a certain segment, I would be one of them. I'm not saying every decision I make is a good consumption, but I even try to look at who I'm purchasing from. So say they're going to be giving back, you know, say I pick a vendor, a book person that is going to give back to the community 
or yeah. like I bought these candles for gifts, but they also support um, indigenous people mm. creation. So the consumption sometimes maybe has to be tied to something beyond ourselves, so right. that we know we might be helping a little. Mm, that's you know? a cool idea. Yeah. yeah. And so there's, I mean, I think there's going to be creative, but that's just one way to think about it. I'm sure there's yeah. multiple ways to think about it because we are still going to have to consume. There are certain yeah. needs that we're going to have. Right. Um, and, and, and so how do we do that um, responsibly? Right. Right. Very true. And very, very interesting. He also talks about how, um, how important it is that we have, um, research, uh, you know, uh, prioritize research because, you know, he says examining what is life furthering and what's life damaging requires that it requires a lot of research and really knowing who we are as individuals, what our, you know, human nature is, what mm-hmm. has been conditioned in us by our society, what hasn't, what is a inherent um, human, a natural human instinct those mm-hmm. types of things. I think that there's a there's a lot of assumptions about what human nature is, and right. we don't have a lot of studies about what human nature is, or at least um, that are popular and and referenced, or know. that are maybe well known. Um, yeah. When you talk about the experts or the people that we were talking about earlier that would um, make these decisions, what I think is very important with this, even or of course right now, is the misinformation we have. There's so much information flowing that I feel Frome has really hit on something because when you have a collective effort mm-hmm. of individuals, experts, uh, maybe academics, um, maybe technology people, you're going to have more of a buy-in in your society than mm-hmm. you have just one, you know, one group that's sending the message to you. Yeah, that's so true. I didn't think about that, but that's true. And he talks about, you know, consumer groups and right. citizens. Oh, of of course, so, citizens. And that's where I think, yeah, I'm like so on board with that. 100% citizens. Because yeah. now you you have individual people that, you know, can get this information and hear the research and make their own decisions. Also right. have input because they're they are living day to day life. So they can, you know, weigh in on what um, these lofty ideas and goals that uh, that the state, as we call it, has, you know. Right. We told you this chapter was fascinating. <laughs> a quarter of the way in. You know, he also says um, the decisions of this, he calls this like the humanist body of experts. This mm-hmm. uh, They would not, he says that uh, the decisions that they came to would not be implemented by force, but they would serve as guidelines. Um, so, you know, it would be something that we wouldn't have to feel like, oh, these people are like in control of everything. Mm-hmm. Would be something that we could feel like, hey, this is what these folks who have some knowledge in this area, in this area, in this area, in this area are saying. Yes. Um, yeah. What I like about Frome, and I can just speak from my own personal life, is to me, he really uh, distills it down to like locally, like your life, like your day. What I like, because typically, listen, my personal experience, when you look at like experts or say government or state, it's like away from you, right? It's this other body. Or these people that really, you know, they're not in your day-to-day life. And so we tend to get, I guess we're sort of dismissive or we, you know, yeah. we, there's apathy. And so what I think from is, is really making a great point is the more involved, like on a local level, if you know what's going on or you're part of the decision making, then, yes. you know, you're 
more excited about doing whatever it is you're going to do. <laughs> exactly. It's like when you decorate uh, an apartment or a home, if you are a part of that process of decorating it, then it feels more like home to you. Right. But if you walk into a home that's already been decorated by somebody else or you chose, yeah. you know, they chose. They, the right. Yeah. It doesn't feel as. And you're not part of the decision-making process. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. So it doesn't feel as empowering. This is really cool. This next idea that he has that the government can greatly facilitate this educational process by subsidizing the production of desirable or healthy commodities and services Mm -hmm. And so these specific ones can be profitably produced. I think that's so cool. Yeah, that's a great one. That's, I mean, 100% on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. And he says also a, a, a large educational campaign in favor of sane consumption um, could accompany that. And that would be good. And, and that it would be expected to be a concerted effort to stimulate the appetite for sane consumption. And then hopefully that would be a pattern that would change um, you know, or, or illustrate the, 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 the benefits of sane consumption. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is something, so I'm just going to play the devil's advocate when you're just talking about, it. I'm pretty yeah. sure, I don't know if it would be libertarians or independents or it could be any, any kind of political leaning is going to be like, you're taking away my freedom, you know, my ability to do what I want to do. So, so there, it has to be presented in a way that there isn't that idea the the state is imposing like you're saying like the idea of the suggestions because yes. what would happen i see is that you know just the other side is going to push right against anyone deciding what they can do when they can do it kind of thing definitely definitely i agree with that and i think an argument back that from would make on mm -hmm. that point would be that that's already happening uh, you know by you know, propaganda, advertising. Mm -hmm. I mean, hello, the the same. Uh, what was it? The social dilemma. I mean, right. social media is controlling so exactly. much of our thoughts and our minds, and they're making money off of it. So, so I think that's a, a counter. It's already, it's already, yeah, it's already come and gone. It's, it's like happened. people not right. being aware. But you're right. It's that yeah. that that ship sailed. Like that's it's already happened. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah. So I mean, I think you know. The hard part about this is um, getting people to be open to whether this can happen. And I think, you know, some of these ideas really help us open our minds to see like this really could happen. Maybe this really could happen, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it could be um, like as other things that are going on in the States, you know, where they'll take a city or an area and they have, um, you know, it's an experiment kind of. You could do this maybe in certain cities or mm. certain areas and mm -hmm. then see how that evolves and how you can use that city as an example. I love this podcast and <laughs> I love you, Sonia. That's such a good point. You know, I, I particularly like this episode because it's, you know, I feel like it's a little more hopeful than some of the other things that from <laughs> and some of the other episodes, because we're talking about potential solutions. Right. Right. No, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think there are people out there that would embrace this wholeheartedly and are very open to this. And it's like you're saying, getting, um, you know, getting society on board. And, and I definitely see, it's definitely, it just goes back to the beginning about of the more humanistic approach, getting 
the the best. I love that about the best minds. I mean, we have yes. talent and we have top yes. minds here. Yes. And we need to be focused on these issues. Mm -hmm. the, the very ones that you and I are talking about. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, there's actually still more on sane consumption. So we'll probably talk about it in the oh next in the yeah. next episode. Um, and there's so much more to this chapter. It's fascinating. It really is. Um, so uh, thank you guys for being here and listening to it and being here with us. Uh, reminder, if you're interested in The Quiet Punch, mm. check it out 10% uh, off with the code of Rethinking Humanity. Um, supports the program, supports us, uh, the podcast. So check it out if you're looking for a cool, fun, new way to work out. Um, I like and, the name, The Quiet Punch. That's and, cool. Cool. and it is quiet. It's really, I want to ask you that too. Yeah. You'd be shocked. It's you typically you think, you know, if you're boxing, you're gonna right. the whole neighborhood hears. It's yeah. not like that. So that's cool. Awesome. Um, and also Sonia, Instagram, right? Uh we got Instagram going. Um, we're much more consistent with those posts now. So find us at Instagram. Yeah. What's your handle, Sonia? It's, uh, let's see, at Larea Sonia. Yeah. So Sonia's is at Larea Sonia. Our Rethinking mm -hmm. Humanity one is at Rethinking Humanity. And we're also on Twitter. So find us on there. Um, we'd love to for you to tweet to us or write to us on uh, Instagram. Tell us what you're thinking about our episodes. We have some really exciting. Oh, I know. I was going to say, Lacey, you've got to tease it. We have a couple of really cool things coming up. So Yeah. Yeah. We have um, uh, a live interview on the yes. 23rd at 3.30 with Dr. Mm -hmm. Andrew Phillip. Well, he's Andrew Phillip, PhD. Uh, mm -hmm. He's a psychologist. And we're going to talk about integrated care. He's done a lot of work. Um, with uh, how to really do do primary care in a more holistic way. And so that's going to be a really cool. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited about that. So uh, we'll have more fun yeah. stuff coming at you. Very, very yes. soon. I know. Glad to talk to you, Lacey. This has yeah. been great. You too, Sonia. I appreciate you. And um, hang in there uh, again. Sorry for your loss. And um, thank you. We'll be in touch. All right, everybody. Stay safe out there. We appreciate you. Until Bye. next time. Bye. Bye.